0: I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. Don't let the devil ever make you think you're a loser or you're, you're not made right. It says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. I will give thanks to you for that. Wonderful are your works, Lord, and my soul knows it very well. How many people does tonight know that God's works are wonderful? Amen. Yes, sir, he does. Verse 17, how precious also are they thoughts to me, O God. Isn't it wonderful when God thinks about you? Jesus thinks about you personally? Praise God. How vast is the sum of them? He thinks about you a lot. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sands and the sea. Wow, that's his thoughts towards us. So if the devil tries to get to God, never thinks about me, he doesn't hear my prayer, that's baloney. Because he says right here, his thoughts would outnumber the sand. When I awake, I'm still with thee. When we go to sleep at night and we wake up in the morning, God is there. When we sleep at night, God is there. And he wants us to get, get that in our heart tonight that he is there with whatever you're going through. And over in Psalm uh, 145. Again, just a little monologue of letting us know before we go into our discussion of what God is and what he thinks about us. Verse 14, Psalm 145. The Lord sustains some who fall. No. The Lord sustains all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. How many have ever been bowed down? Thank God he can raise us up from that. So if you're in a little period right now being... Bow down, don't worry about it. Jesus is coming. He'll raise you up. He raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to thee, and thou dost give them their food in due time. Thank you for that, Jesus. Nobody here is starving, are we? If you are, let me know. We'll, we'll take care of that. <laughs> but he takes care of our needs. He takes care of our food, doesn't he? He says, I'll give you food in due time. Thou dost open thy hand and, uh, and satisfy the result of every living thing. That God opens his hand to us. Thank you, Jesus, that we're not without his hearing our prayer, we're not without his touch, we're not without his care. It says he'll open his hand to us. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his deeds. The Lord is near to all who call upon him. So God hears you when you call. He will fulfill the desire of those, what, who fear him. And it says, he will also hear their cry, and he'll save them. The Lord keeps all who love him. You hear that? All. If you love Jesus, he'll keep you. He'll watch over you. But all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and all flesh will bless his holy name forever. Let's skip over there just for a minute, Psalm 147, verse 3. He heals the brokenhearted. Praise God for that. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. What a blessing. You know, in the military, you're out in the field and you have medics, and something have you get wounded by the enemy, The medics run over there and stop the bleeding. And thank God for this verse of scripture here. He heals the brokenhearted and what? Binds up their wounds. How many have ever had wounds from the enemy or wounds from a loved one? He's our medic. He runs over there and he pours the oil. And what does he do? He heals those wounds. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 11 says here, the Lord favors those who fear him. The favor of the Lord. Those what? Who wait for his loving kindness. It says he favors us. Amen? And one more place here in Psalm 121. Let's take a look at this. We're trying to set the stage tonight to know he's there and he cares. So then we go on, we study what his word says and the discussion over the chapter, just knowing he's there for us and he cares and he loves us. Psalm 121, verse 1. I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. From whence shall my help come? It's a question. My help comes from the Lord, right? (laughs) He's telling us right here. Where does your help come from? The Lord. Amen. Amen. Who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. Thank you, Jesus, for that one. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber or sleep. He's always there, guys. You know. Whatever we're going through, he's there. He doesn't go take it. I'll be back later. I've got to go take a nap. He's there all the time and he knows our heartache. He knows what we're going through. Says, the Lord is your keeper. Praise God for that one, huh? The Lord keeps us. It's not our husband, not our wife, not our neighbor. It's the Lord who keeps us. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day. And that's good, too, because it's been real hot in some of these states, states lately. Nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from what? All evil. Praise God. Uh, he will keep your soul. Boy, thank God for that one. He's, he, we don't have to keep our own soul. He'll keep our soul. We just say, Jesus, I trust in you. You're my Lord and Savior. He'll keep our soul. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in. Thank you, Jesus, for that one. He guards us. He watches over us, our going out and our coming in. From this time forth in how long? Forever. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, that's what he wanted to establish tonight before we get started in the lesson. That He wants us to know, hey, I'm there for you. I'm watching over you. I'm keeping you. And again, we talk about ministry of redemption. Redemption is a metaphor for what is achieved through what? The atonement. Praise God for the atonement. The action of saving or being saved from what? Sin, error, and evil. The action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for payment or clearing a debt. Did Jesus clear some debts here? I know in my life he cleared some debts, right? As the song said, Jesus paid it all. There's another part to that. Jesus paid it all. And what does it say? All to him I owe. So he paid for all our sins. He paid for all the problems we're having. But we owe it all to him. Because he's our Lord. He's our Savior. He's our eternal rest. Okay, amen. Let's go to our lesson tonight. Again, it's lesson number 22. Israel and the ministry of A mystery of redemption. Romans 11, chapter 11, verse 25 through 27. And let's uh, take a look at that. Let's read it together. Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of the mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. In verse 26, And in this way, all Israel will be saved, as it is written. The deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. 27. And this will be my covenant with them I'll take away their sins. How precious is that? He will. We have to go to Him first and say, Lord, I've I've got a problem. I'm sinning. And He'll take away that sin. That's His promise our eternal lord and creator says he'll take away our sin. Praise God. Okay, question 1. From verse 25 there, what two things does Paul want the believers to avoid, to avoid happening? What are the two things? Anybody? Uh, Sir. Uh, hardened hardened. Uh-huh. Yeah. Anything else? What else? What else is it there uh Paul wants the believers to avoid? He doesn't want to be ignorant. Yeah. Yeah. You know, of, of the mystery. Yeah. And not be conceited. Yes, sir. Yep. Yeah. Being wise in our own estimation, right? Sometimes we can do that. <laughs> oh, I believe it this way, God says uh uh-uh, uh uh <laughs> once or twice. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Anybody got anything different? Okay, question two. What mystery does Paul have in mind here in these verses? What's the mystery he has in mind when he's talked about these two verses 25, 26, 27 or three verses? Number three, A, what do you notice about the degree and duration of Israel's hard-heartedness? What do you notice about that, the degree and how long of Israel's hard-heartedness? How long did that last? Yes, what amen, brother.
1: Gentile, uh, this sensation, we call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yep. you know, the wonderful thing about all this is that in the end, uh, God cannot forget Israel. He said, let my right hand forget the kind of oh. hope. <laughs>
0: yeah, the other right hand. The other right. <laughs> yeah, this one was free so far. <laughs>
1: Israel is the apple of uh, God's eye. Yeah. He is never, he will never forget his own people. Right. We just have to realize that this blindness is happening to Israel in part. It will not last forever.
0: No, that's true.
1: But this part we're talking about is the Gentiles being granted
0: access to the plan of salvation. Praise God. And B to that question is what does that indicate about God's desire and plan for Israel? What is his plan for Israel? Pardon? Yes ma'am. That all would be saved. That's God's plan for Israel. Praise the Lord. Number four. What do the following passages uh, indicate about the Israelite salvation? That's Isaiah... 59, uh, 20, and 21. Okay. And a Redeemer will come to Zion to those in Jacob who turn from transgression, declares the Lord. Verse 21. And as for me, let's have everybody read that. And as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit that is upon you, and my words that I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth or out of the mouth of your offspring or out of the mouth of your children's offspring, says the Lord from this time and forevermore. Wow. Okay. <laughs> what does that indicate about Israelite salvation? What we just read there.
2: Pastor Ernie? Yes, sir. Uh, what that depicted there was not the vicious cycle of the old testament where they would uh, they would be blessed of God and then they would forget about God and then they'd be yeah. judged by God and then they would seek God yep. and then they would be restored in right. that, that cycle over and over. The word of the Lord will not depart out of their mouth or their yeah. descendants' mouth. Right. It's permanent. Right. It's, it's a it's a lasting salvation.
0: Yeah, talk about salvation. Finally redeemed. Amen. Yeah, and he said the offspring and the offspring's offspring. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, but we're a part of that. Yeah, yep. Praise God. Okay, part B to uh, number four Ezekiel uh, chapter 11, verse 17 through 21. All right. Therefore, thus says the Lord God I will gather you from the peoples and assemble you out of the countries where you've been scattered. And I'll give you the land of Israel. And when they came there, or when they come there, they will remove from it all its detestable things and abominations. Thank God for that one. We need some of that over here, don't we? Amen. And what does it say? God will what? What does it say God's going to do? God will gather them from where? All the peoples, all the countries and give you Israel. Well, what did he mean by that? Okay, uh, Bob. I don't know if
1: anybody's aware, but this, this is the, uh, this is God gathered his people, people of Israel. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yep. We can look over time and see how strong God's hand has been on Israel. Remember the Six Day War, 1967? There are stories from there that just blow your mind. The one it was a uh, believe an Israeli soldier was on one side of a hill. And uh, on the other side of the hill were some, I think, enemy tanks. Was it? And all of a sudden, the people on the other, the enemy heard the sound of hundreds and hundreds of tanks, or something like that. And there's one Israeli soldier <laughs> on the other side of the hill. Yes. It was a miracle. God's hand upon Israel. Praise the Lord. Zechariah, chapter 12, uh, verse 10. And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy. So that when they look on me, on him who they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child. And weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. Think about that one for a second. Now verse uh, 13, or chapter 13, verse 1, sorry. On that day there shall be a fountain open for the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to what? To cleanse them. What is that fountain they're talking about here? (laughs) Jesus. Yep. Say it again, Bob. What was it? Jesus. Jesus. Praise God. Okay, it also says he's going to pour out the spirit of grace and supplication.
1: What? It, it, you know, he asked you for water. He said, if you knew who's asking you for water, you'd ask him. <laughs> right. And
0: he'll give you living water. Living That's water. what Jesus said. Amen. Precisely. Yes. Amen. Okay. The... Yeah. Right. Romans 11. Let's go to Romans chapter 11. Verse 28 and 29, where we hear about God's reliability. As regards the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But as regards election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are what? Irrevocable. Did you see that one? The enemy likes to bring on God's people sometimes sadness, sorrow. They go through something, they make a mistake. They think they're all done, and they're all through. They're all washed up. They can't serve Jesus anymore. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Because God says the gifts and the callings are what? What does irrevocable mean? Can't take them back.
2: (laughs) No expiration
0: expiration date, yeah. Thank God for that one. His calling. Now, does that mean we we have to go through something? Sometimes, yeah. When you make a mistake, it's like David, his deal with Bathsheba, he still wrote the Psalms, correct? But he had to go through some stuff. He had to, he paid for that sin he committed there. Don't let anybody tell you he didn't, but he did. But thank God that the gifts and the callings are irrevocable. That's one key right there was Brother David, Elijah. Elijah, took on 400 of the prophets of Baal. Beat the crap out of them. And anyway, then Jezebel says, I'm going to get you for that. What did he do? Here he just slew 400 warriors, and he went and hid in a cave. But God says, Elijah, <laughs> says his gifts and callings are irrevocable. Doesn't it? Praise God.
1: Just kill my prophet. <laughs> yeah, yep.
2: And like yeah.
0: Jonah, too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Okay, B, that question is, uh, what effect should understanding why the Israelites are enemies have on Christians' relationship with them? Oh, boy. There's a tough one. Again, we're talking about Romans 11, 28, and 29, and it says, what effect should understanding why the Israelites are enemies, the term they're enemies, have on Christians' relationship with them?
3: I said that there shouldn't. Oh, I just saying, okay. Oh, I, bad, my bad, my I didn't hear it. Go ahead, huh? Um, there shouldn't be any hostility between Jews and Christians, mm-hmm. even though there's often this common standard that well, you don't accept the gospel, therefore I shouldn't associate with you. But we also have to recognize they were God's chosen people first, uh-huh. before yes. anyone else. They received God's spirit first, That's right. His favor first, and they. Yeah. They are the reason that we have Jesus in the first place. He's who they're descended from. Amen. So any hostility or hatred towards the Jews for not accepting the gospel right off isn't necessarily fair to them, yeah. nor is it fair to us, because it's like, how are you going to hate yeah. the people that you're for that's Lord right it <laughs> Yeah, it like
0: says to. they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. Okay, Deuteronomy 7. Chapter 7 of Deuteronomy, verse 7 through 9. question is, why is God committed to love the Israelites? Deuteronomy 7. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you were the what? Fewest of all peoples. But is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. What a mighty verse of scripture that is. Remember what he did? Wow. He sent Moses in there who had a stuttering problem, (laughs) took his brother Aaron with him, and he said to Pharaoh, God says, let my people go. And what did Pharaoh do? No, I'm not going to do that. So what did God do for that? He brought locusts and all kinds of plagues on Israel to the final one. And then he says, uh, okay, I'm gonna send the angel of death in there and everybody's firstborn is gonna die. And then he said to Moses, go back to the people and tell them, go into your house and shut the door and put the blood of an unblemished lamb over the doorpost. What was that a type of? Yes, yes, sir, type of Jesus dying on the cross. I never thought about what, what would happen if somebody says, I'm going to stay out in the front yard. I'm not going back in the house. and I'm afraid of what would happen to them. But God mightily delivered them. And just like a lot of us sometimes, miracles brought him out of there. They went through the desert and got up to the Red Sea, and then Pharaoh decided he didn't like what happened. So he was going to go after them. And just like a lot of Christians, sometimes they got discouraged, depressed. Here they were with, up against the Red Sea. Just think of what you might think of that case. <laughs> but it says, what did, what did God do even then? He sent an angel in a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night Amen. to keep the, it, the Egyptians off of them. And it says Moses stretched his staff out. It doesn't say for 10 seconds. It says all night long he stood there. And God parted the water. So that's how he delivered Israel. And what did they do? They went right across that dry land. And then God closed the sea over, you know, Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And then Moses went up to talk to God, to talk to Jesus, to get the Ten Commandments. But he took too long, didn't he? So they said, oh, man, he's been up there 40 days and 40 nights. Let's make another God here. Did it say, you know what? God got angry about that one. It says he sent a great earthquake or whatever it was he sent there and destroyed all those who were putting up the false god. So we got to be careful in our own life with false gods. There's only one Lord and one Savior and one, one God. That's who we serve. We don't serve ourselves. We don't serve our denomination. We serve our Lord. And him only do we serve, do we follow. Okay, verse uh, number 8. How would you compare or contrast God's commitment to Israel with the relationship of other nations that other nations have with him? First John uh, 3, verse 1, and 4, verse 16. 1 John... Yeah. Yes, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The <laughs> world does not know us is that it did not know him. Okay, next, next uh, verse there. First John And then 4, chapter 4, verse 16. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides, that's pretty plain there. When we abide in the love of God, and we abide in his love for other people, his love abides in us. That's not always real easy to do. You know, somebody that you don't so specially have a real catering for. <laughs> he still says that to pray for him, to love him with his love, and he'll He'll handle what he'll, whatever else he has to handle. Amen? God is love, and those who abide in love abides what? In God. Praise his name. And look at uh, verse, uh, are we back in Romans here? Verse 29, Romans 11. Romans 11. For the, again, he says it, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. He didn't take them away. I mean, you can choose not to have them. You can choose not to serve God. You can choose not to use a gift you feel he's given you. Some gifts are people praying for people. Some gifts are gifts of healing or different kind of gifts like that. But it says it's irrevocable. He gives it to you, that's until he comes back to take you home. Now can we, yeah, can we do it ourselves? Yeah, we can say, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not praying for the sick. I'm not sharing my testimony with somebody on the street corner. But that's a gift he's given us. Okay, uh, Romans, back in Romans, chapter 11, verse 30. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, oh, not us, right? For just at one time you're obedient to God, disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience. So they too have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they may also now receive mercy. Wow. What does that mean? What does that mean? Uh-huh. God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. <laughs> oh, man. How many have needed God's mercy oh, yeah. lately? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we need his mercy because we just don't get it all the time. And uh, verse uh, 10 says, once we're disobedient, then God did what He showed mercy. Number eleven, what human condition makes mercy necessary? Name one. Why do you need God's mercy? What human condition causes you to need God's mercy? Go ahead, brother. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I didn't hear. Huh? Who did that? Hey, so, so, Pastor, what did you say? What'd she say?
2: She said, disobedience.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Amen. Thanks, Pastor. Amen to that one. Disobedience makes mercy necessary. Anger can make mercy necessary. Those kind of things. Thank God for his mercy. Cause I know, sometimes, I used to have a temper. Whoa. He helped with that, but I also needed his mercy. Not you. Oh, Ah. not me. No. That's why I have pit bulls. Oh, boy. We won't go into that. But for deeper thought, what attitude or condition would you say makes a person most likely to receive mercy? Several things here. What makes a person likely to receive mercy? If, okay,
3: um, I just said that like, regret and repentance, uh-huh. because I mean, the way I was looking at it was if a child does something bad, and they know they did something bad, and then they're aware of the repercussions, right. like, okay, you get your game console taken away, or you're grounded, obviously they're going to want mercy because they regret what they did and they're fully aware of the consequences yep. which also makes the mercy so much more powerful because then it's like you know that you deserve you know it, know it, you and, need it. but you got it instead. So just that feeling of repentance and regret for what you've done knowing like, what it yeah. is that you've done.
0: Disobedience, depression. Boy, do you need mercy sometimes when you're depressed. That's a tough one there. Yeah,
2: I think, uh, what does it say? Uh, A broken heart and a contrite spirit, God will in no wise turn away.
0: Yeah, thank God for that one too. (laughs) A broken heart, a contrite spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for that one. Unbelief sometimes too. Number 13, how does Paul's explanation in verse 32 here of Romans 11... How does Paul's explanation in verse 32 add to your understanding of the extent of God's mercy? Also, Galatians 3.22. Okay. Verse 32. and 3.22, yeah. For God has consigned all to disobedience, that he may have mercy on all. Well, that's a tough one there. Somebody figure that one out. That's not what that says. Yes, sir. That
1: verse is is simply saying what Romans uh, uh, 3.23 says. For all have sinned.
0: And come short.
1: And come short of the glory of God. So he's confined everyone. Yeah. Now, in other words, there's no exception. There's none righteous and all that. And that's why we're in need of God's mercy. Where will we be today
0: without God's mercy? Oh man, we have in a mess, huh? Yeah.
1: They, uh, Moses had to beg God. Well, mm-hmm. the Israelites would have been history. Yeah. He said, leave me alone. I'll consume in a moment. That's what he told Moses. And then Moses began to plead for, yeah. intercede for the people and they were spared. And uh, it's really something you know. that sounds just like God. Out of yes. you, I'll raise a nation. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we are, we, it's God's mercy, man. Well, look at we Pete, kept Peter. Mercy, Peter man.
0: denied him three times. Oh, I don't know who he is. I, three times he denied Christ.
1: I still say the woman caught in adultery. Yep. Yeah, That was the greatest mercy ever shown. Boy, that Poor was, thing was
0: getting ready to die. She was dead. As far as i concerned.
1: They would have stoned her. They,
0: th- Yeah, threw her down. And, and it says and Jesus knelt down and wrote in the sand. I kind of think he wrote the names of about half of those men standing there. <laughs> like, I don't know
1: what he did, but you know, when Jesus got through, uh, that's God's mercy right there.
0: Yes, it was, wasn't it? Same with the woman at the well, right? She, yeah. she came to him at the well. And uh, little Zacchaeus, this is kind of funny, he was short in stature, but his he had so much desire to be with Jesus, he ran ahead of the crowd, climbed up a sycamore tree, and said, Jesus, I want you to come to my house today for dinner. What he's really saying is, Lord, I need you, yeah. and it says Jesus went to his house, he says he gave half of all his possessions to the poor after that little meeting, so yeah, Yeah, amen. Okay, Romans 11, 33 through 36, God in all his glory. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Not me. but isn't that true you know and let's also take a look at uh, let's see verse 33 of Romans 11 let's go back to 33 for a minute oh the depth of the riches and wisdom and that is some deep stuff there and knowledge of God how unsearchable are his judgments and inscrutable you can't scrutinize his ways because they are god's ways and they're definite
2: pastor ernie
0: yeah uh, that
2: verse just reminds me how many times have you prayed and you had it in your mind how god was going to work that situation out and then he works it out in a totally different way that you never even conceived yeah 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 i mean I'm, I'm sure that all of us could uh, raise our hand to that one. Yes. That God worked it out in a way that we didn't. We didn't we, see it didn't coming. Even dream. couldn't even dreamed it up. you know. Yeah.
0: Amen. It says uh, Psalm 40, verse 5. Take a look at that one a minute. You have multiplied, O Lord my God. Your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us—none can compare with you. I'll proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. Isn't that the truth? He's really letting us know tonight that hey, I'm there for the fullness of everything that you need in your life. I'll take care of you. I'll watch over you. That's that's a promise from him tonight. He deals justly, justly. God's thoughts are not always our thoughts, like Brother Dave said. His thoughts are not always like our thoughts, but they're the right thoughts. Okay, and B says knowledge. Uh, Psalm 139, what we read earlier, verse 1 through 18. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank God they're going to turn from their transgression. Isaiah 59, 20. Praise the Lord. God knows all aspects of our life. He knows what we're going through. may not seem like it all the time, but he does. He knows what we're going through. In verse 33 there again, what does Paul conclude about our understanding of God's? What does Paul conclude about our understanding of God from that verse (laughs) what yeah God's judgments are unsearchable you can't question them they're unsearchable God's ways are unfathomable what does that mean? What unfathomable means? Unfathomable. You can't even begin to understand or believe it. But they're His ways. Praise God. Brother, Ernie, the, uh, the,
1: Bible, uh, the the Bible. This is the the uh, English Standard Version. Mm-hmm. The King James Version says that. His judgments are way past finding out. Mm-hmm. In other words, if you read Psalms 100, uh, 103, you'll find out that as far as the heavens are above the earth, his thoughts are not our thoughts, and his ways are not our ways. But we do have the assurance that uh, that even the Paul, the, when Paul was, I forget who he was writing to, he says, no eyes have seen, no ears have heard the things that God has prepared for them. We have the gospel, and with the gospel, the Holy Spirit gives us enough or as much yeah. understanding of God as you want. Yeah. That's here and now.
0: Here and now,
3: yep.
1: And, and when the day comes, the Bible says, "We'll know him as we're known."
0: Praise God. Amen. Verse sixteen in uh, Romans eleven, verse thirty-four and thirty-five. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor? Verse thirty-five, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. That That little part where it says, uh, who gives him a gift expecting a return or something like that? We give gifts to the Lord because our heart desires to bless him or bless others. And it's a little assignment to us, you know, don't give expecting always to return. There, that message has been out there in a lot of uh, churches and evangelists. Oh, bring up $20 and God will give you an answer to your prayer. That's terrible. You know, these people got to stand before God for that. Wow. That's pretty pretty tough. Hey, or Pastor tried, Ernie, Huh?
2: I, d- I just wanted to make a, in verse 34 there. Yeah. It says, who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Yeah. I don't know about you, ha- have you ever been in going through something and you start praying to the Lord and you start uh, telling him how he needs to do this? <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, God, you need to do this and you need to do that. And, God, I'm in a, I'm in a bind here. And, God, this is what you need to do. Yep. And, uh, you know, <laughs> he doesn't need our help. No. And he doesn't need us to figure out. All the details out. He needs us yep. to just to trust him and believe yep. him, a- and, and and lay this on his, you know, let put this in his hands, and, and let him figure it out. Because, yep. you know, if it, it, when we can quit our hand ringing and worrying, you know, that opens up the, uh, that opens up a lot of uh, windows of heaven.
0: Yes, amen to that. But one.
2: when we're ringing and twisting and trying to tell God how to fix this, you know, <laughs> we're just making matters worse.
0: Yeah, it's not always easy.
2: Believe the Lord, trust yep. him, that he has your best interests in mind, yep. and he's wow. gonna
0: work it out. I know when my, when my wife had the stroke in 2010, in the hospital eight and a half weeks, rehab 16 months, I ended up having to close both of my martial arts schools, and I'm saying to God, now wait a minute here, you know. And she went through all the rehab and wanted to go back to teaching science. The doctor let her go back and they pushed her out because she was too slow on the right side now. So I was doing a lot of questioning there for a little bit. But like like my Brother Dave said, God uh, will give you the answer he wants you to have and work with you how he wants to work with you. And uh, at least she's better now. She's She can get up and walk around and uh, But still, that's still in her heart there from having to go through all that. We lost $112,000 a year. She had a double masters, that's what, and she went to med school. So I questioned that for a couple years. But God has the answers, he knows what he's doing. I don't know where I'm going with that, but anyway. (laughs) C, yeah. Yeah, about giving, uh, it says give to him so that he would owe us something in return. That that's a, that's a trap you can get into so easy, isn't it? There's major ministries that have risen and fallen on that precept. And it's, uh, yeah, give a tither gift and expect a return. They've taught that almost. Some of the TV personalities and I know I had a, went to PTL club a lot. I had three lifetime memberships there. And I used to take a group of pastors down there. For That was a nice place, folks, <laughs> a beautiful place. But what happened, at the top, somebody decided they wanted money more than anything else. And other things that they wanted, it weren't right. So there again, you know, the devil will throw opportunities at you too. And greed is one of the worst. For a Christian to get tangled up in greed, God help them. He does, but you got to ask for the help, and he'll bless you. Okay, uh, in verse 17, let's see, refer to the verses below for help, but do not let them restrict your creative thought. Okay, John 1, verse 3. All things were made through him, and without him was not Anything made that was made. Amen to that one. And Colossians 1 16. For by him all things were created
1: in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether the thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things all. were created through him and for him.
0: Yep. The devil didn't create a darn thing, did he? up chaos exactly. but all things were created by the Lord and Colossians 1 17 through 20 let's look at that he is before all things and in him all things, things are hold together, together. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah 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 everything that you see he
1: functioning is. out there in, the, in outer space is, is uh Functioning perfectly by the uh, uh, power of His Word. Yes. Yeah.
0: Amen to that one. He is He is the head of all things that created. Pastor through Ernie? Him.
2: Yeah. Uh, I was just noticing the structure of uh, verse thirty-six. Okay. Uh, there's one, two, three, four hymns there. There's from Him, mm-hmm. through Him, through Him, and for Him, and to Him. Praise God. It starts with him, it yeah. ends with him. He's the yeah. beginning and the ending, the first yeah. and the last. He's yes, the alpha <laughs> and the omega.
0: Yeah. He is the head of, our, of the church, isn't he? Yes, he is. Praise God. And to him, blessing and honor and glory forever is to him. Now, I saved a little bit of time at the end here, some familiar scripture I want to just touch on before we finish tonight Psalm 91 everybody knows about that one I think But he wants to speak to us tonight and uh, wants us to know he's there like we said earlier he hears our prayer he wants us to have a a right way of living let's go over here and take a look at good old Psalm 91 praise Psalm 91, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, right in the shadow. Do you know we have that shelter to run to? Praise God. We have the shelter of the Most High. We'll abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Now, who can overcome that shadow? Huh? I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom? I trust. Praise his name. Verse 2, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for it is he who delivers you from the snare of the fowler. That's true, isn't it? Does he deliver us from Satan's snare or not? Yeah. So sometimes we squirm around and and wiggle around and oh me, feel sorry for ourselves. He says he'll deliver us from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you can seek refuge. He's just letting you know he's there for us to seek refuge, no matter what we're going through. His faithfulness is a shield and a bulwark. Praise God, Praise God! yeah. You'll not be afraid of the terror by night or the arrow that flies by day. Of the pestilence that stalks us in darkness or of the destruction that lays weight. That's a lot of stuff. He wants us to know that he's he's our safe place to run to. A thousand can fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but what? It shall not approach you. You will only look on with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. For you have made the Lord your refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. Are we making him our dwelling place?
1: God.
0: There's peace with that. There's comfort with that. There's assurance with that. Lord, you're my dwelling place. I know I'm going through this, that, and the other, but I dwell in you. You're my dwelling place. You're my fortress. Amen. Soon coming king. For he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They'll bear you up in their hands lest you strike your foot against a stone. Wow. Angels are here also. God sends them. And they do warfare. They do battle. We know about all that. Satan took one-third of the angels with him. But guess what? That left (laughs) two-thirds. And we have warring angels, ministering angels. You will tread upon the lion and cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You will trample down. Because he has loved me, therefore I'll deliver him. Wow, right from the mouth of Jesus, right from the mouth of God. Because you've loved him, he'll deliver you. I will set him securely on high because he's known my name. Thank you, we know in the name of Jesus. Savior, deliverer, healer. Praise God. He will call on me and I'll answer him. I'll be with him in trouble. Praise God for that one. He'll, it says he'll be with you in trouble no matter what you're going through. I'll rescue him and honor him. Here's a good one. With a long life, I'll satisfy him. Let him behold my salvation. Praise God. Amen. And some of us old folks like that long life part right there. <laughs> I tell you what, he, I could have not been here a whole bunch of times, but thank God that he's, He's allowed us, he's got his angels charge over us. I mean, jump out of airplanes. <laughs> that was <laughs> not the smartest thing I think I've ever done. But he was there for me even when I had a cigarette roll in on my one parachute one time. But he was there, you know, he's there for us. Yeah. And we're his we're his special forces. We're front line, you know? We're the ones he sends out there to look minister to somebody, share somebody with somebody, and what he can do for us. I mean, when you get older, like I've got all kinds of pains now from martial arts, but I I made that happen, but he's been there for me through it all after 37 and a half years. I'm still standing here, sort of. (laughs) My lower back doesn't feel so good all the time. But that was his, that's his, Uh, mission to us. That's what he's telling us tonight. And you out there listening, that's what he's saying to you tonight. Hey, he's there for you. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants to be your fortress that you can run to and are safe. So tonight, if you haven't done that or you feel like you're in the middle of a mess and you're in trouble, he's also letting you know that I'm there for you. I'm your shield and buckler and your, your shield and your sword and all the other stuff. He's there for you. So tonight, uh, before we go, we want to pray. And if you're watching by Facebook or online, wherever, we can have a prayer right now and ask God to give you the assurance of your salvation. If you've never asked him into your heart, you can do that tonight also. And if you do, let us know. But John 3.16 says, For God so loved you, the world, he gave, he, for God's so loved the world, he gave you authority and power, the ability to get saved. For God's so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son for us, that whosoever should believeth in him should be saved. And right now, when you pray that prayer, his, your name's written down in the books of heaven.
3: Amen.
0: Are we perfect? Nope. <laughs> but does he want us to strive to know him better and serve him? read his word like I said before this is our GPS to get from here to heaven and if you don't use a GPS guess what you end up somewhere else and uh, GPS isn't always good either but this is our GPS to guide us to heaven to the Lord so before we go tonight we're going to pray and uh, next week be sure to uh, come back with us Next week, Lesson 23 is going to be called A Living Sacrifice. That's going to be good. So, yeah. All right, pray with me tonight. Lord Jesus, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. Come into my heart like Scripture says, that whosoever believes in you will be saved. So I'm asking you to come into my heart, Lord, and save me. Thank you that you're writing my name down in the Lamb's Book of Life in heaven and that you'll watch over me and guide me to study the Word of God and to seek fellowship and discipleship. So I ask you to do that tonight. I thank you for it right now, and help me to study, help me to know you better in Jesus' name. And folks out there, if if you're a Christian, you say, I know the Lord, but I don't understand why I'm going through all this. I'm going through things. You feel like your prayers are not answered. God wants you to know he cares. He loves you tonight. And we're gonna pray a prayer, and God will touch your heart, and Lord will help you understand what you're going through, and give you an answer to your prayer. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you again tonight for whatever we're going through, and Lord, I give it to you tonight. Whoever's out there listening, what you're, you're broken-hearted, bad relationship, relationship broke up, divorce, you're sick in your body. Tonight, give it to Jesus, and He'll answer you. He'll touch you tonight. Lord, I just ask you to reach down and touch those who are sick in body listening tonight. Those who have a broken heart, Lord, you'll mend their heart and help them to walk with you and know you better. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God.